do you find the will to fight back against a world that wants to keep you sedated, average, and stuck in place? Join us for the tools and strategies you need to create a life of abundance, discipline, and high achievement. This, this, is, this is the Tactical Empire with Jeff Smith. All right, welcome to another episode of the Tactical Empire. I have a guest I am very, very excited to introduce you guys to today. He is a man of a gregarious personality, and he is here to entertain and also blow you away with how intelligent he is. Mr. Adam Lyons, welcome to the show. Man, thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I mean, you know, I think you're awesome. Uh, I'm super excited for this, uh, and anyway, I can help, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited we were able to get you on the schedule so quickly. So I, I really appreciate you. I appreciate your assistant working with me and everything. So thank you, man. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. You know what? It's uh, you, you prioritize the things that are important, right? Like there are definitely people that have to wait three months to talk to me. Uh, you're not one of them. <laughs> well, man, I, I feel honored that I'm on that list. So I, I definitely appreciate that, man. <laughs> you and I were fast friends the minute we we connected. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do appreciate your you showing up and uh, kind of coming on to tell your story, man, because you're a fascinating human being. So let's let's just dive right into it man what got you into or how did you get started in entrepreneurial ventures yeah so i i grew up really poor and for, for anyone that like that thinks they grew up poor i i'm that or worse my dad was a janitor my mom was a stripper and not a good one we we, we did not have a lot of money growing up it was so bad Bacon was rationed in our house. You were allowed one slice of bacon in a sandwich every day. That was it. Because they bought exactly enough for each of us to have one slice. And I remember I got the worst like grounding because I put two slices of bacon in a sandwich one day. You know, it was like I was 11 and I was like, no, forget this. I'm having two slices. You know, I was like rebelling and yeah. I got so grounded. And it was so bad that because of that, my parents forced me to get a job at the age of 11. And uh, they knew a guy, Frank, I'm never going to forget Frank. Frank was like 64 and it was, a, he was a man with a van, which is like an old guy with a big truck. And he would go and move a room in somebody's house or a piece of furniture, you know, and that was his job. And he always needed somebody else to carry the other side of it. And no one wanted to work with him because he paid nothing. You got the tip. So like if it was 50 to 50 pounds, because it was in pounds, it was 50 pounds and the assistant got the tip and lunch. And that was what you got. And that was my first job at the age of 11. I used to you know, be made to work at least one day a week, sometimes two days a week, because it was based on whether Frank needed work, not whether I wanted to work because it was take it or not. And <clears throat> I started buying my own candy, my own, you know, sweets, we call it in the UK, my own sweets, my, my own bacon. If I wanted extra bacon, I had to buy my own bacon. But, you know, I went from being an 11 year old with no money to being one of the richest kids because I had cash. I mean, I didn't have as much as, as an adult, but I, I had cash. And that was kind of like where I got hooked on. If I want something, I'm going to get it myself. Yes. So, um, you know, every summer holiday, I was either hanging out in my room being a nerd or I was out making cash. That was the start, yeah. really. That was like uh, the foundation. And then it never really left me. At 18, I started a, a company that would, uh, would do sword fighting in the forest. You could, uh, if you wanted to go and sword fight, we'd take you in a forest. The reason we did it in a forest, by the way, everyone's always like, why did you sword fight in the forest? We kept getting arrested because 
England's really strict on weapons and we would fight in like parks and people would call the cops on us and we'd get arrested. And of course they didn't do anything because, you know, it was clear we were sparring. We were like, hey, it's martial arts. But, um, but in the end, we just would go and fight in the forest about an hour away from, from any civilization. And uh, then we would have bachelor parties. People would be like, hey, we want to fight in the forest for our bachelor party. You know, we want to go in the forest, we want to get drunk, sword fight, and then go to a strip club. And I would organize sword fighting in, <laughs> in the forest and charge like, you know, a few hundred pounds for people to go and fight. And, um, and then at, at 21, I found myself working in a company that made movie props. And um, they, they were struggling to, to grow. They had a lot of issues. And because I was quite entrepreneurial, I helped them out. And I opened a factory in Africa to mass produce the, the weapons. And uh, that ended up, I ended up um, separating from them, but building my own company for two years. So 21 to 23. And I made a lot of money. I was doing like 50 grand a month. Um, it was a crazy amount of money for a 23 year old just yeah. making swords. And I had so much freedom and so much money. I got depressed, really depressed. I was like in Africa, I had no friends. All my friends were like locals, you know? And um, I, I hand delivered some swords to a movie company in the UK. And when I walked in, there was a woman there that I'd met many, many years earlier. I did a, a work internship through school uh, with her and uh, she offered me a job on the spot and I quit. I shut down the company, just closed it. I didn't even, I think I sold it for like two grand or something stupid like that, like just, just to get rid of it. Yeah. And um, I ended up getting a job in television where I ended up working in media and doing public relations, which all those skills would come in handy later. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to being, well, not back to being, but I, I followed in the footsteps of my dad and became a janitor. And um, I just didn't know what to do. I sort of like was kind of over life. And then that's when the bug came back. And um, I started getting into um, social networking, social engineering, um, I ended up becoming one of the world's leading dating coaches. They made documentaries about me, three of them, in fact. Um, I ended up on the Steve Harvey show, the Today Show. Uh, they made a cartoon about me in Taiwan. It's crazy. That's fascinating. You you were like in your 20s when you were the leading dating coach in the world and you weren't dating anyone, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I was just going. I mean, I was dating, <laughs> but like, you know, um, I, at one point I had 14 girlfriends at once. And, uh, or a better way of wording that is there were 14 women that would, would say I was their boyfriend is a better way of wording that. But I have this whole thing of, I didn't lie to any of them. I didn't even hide anything. They all knew about each other. Like I would have like four or five women over my house naked, like, and it was normal. That was like, oh, it's Saturday. There's a bunch of naked women at Adam's house. Um, <laughs> and, but then I monetized that. And that was the thing because initially I couldn't make money doing it, which sounds insane. Can you imagine? Oh yeah, I got five naked women at my house. How are you doing? Oh, I'm broke. But I couldn't work it out. And then I started learning business. And that's really where the change came when I hired business experts to teach me business. And what's fascinating is I lost interest in dating and became far more interested in the business stuff that I suppose had captured my attention in that young age. And now, you know, I own 14 different businesses. And yet I care a lot more about business and the strategy of business and mergers and acquisitions. Um, and actually what, what I'm really obsessed with is uh, customer psychology. That's like, that's like my favorite thing. And, um, and yeah, and I've, I've now I've worked with um, some, some military guys and I've, I've guided them through uh, using kind of like what I do. Um, I work with some big corporations, um, but I, I really like helping people that are doing like one to 
three million dollars a year is like my favorite there's um less than a million a year companies tend to have these problems that i don't really want to deal with i can deal with them but i don't really want to and over three you start reaching that five million a year mark where there's these headaches you get that i again i don't really like dealing with but there's half a million companies in America between one to 3 million. That is more than enough um, to give me more than enough to cut my teeth on. And I really like taking those companies and, and pushing them through those barriers that that's fun. So. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and it, you're doing a lot of speaking on stage as well, right? Yeah. So I am um, in the pandemic. I, uh, I, I was fortunate enough. One of my business mentors wanted some help with some things. And um, he had access to thousands of businesses that needed help. And through him, I ended up helping over 1900 businesses in the last like three years. So since 2020 with either mergers or selling or, or, or acquiring or scaling or growth or sales scripts, you know, whatever it was, analyzing customer behavior, building off of it. And uh, in doing so, I got to look under the hood of a lot of companies, like so many that now I kind of, can look at any company and I'm like, Oh, I know exactly what to do here. Or I know exactly what to do there. And uh, that was worth its weight in gold to, to be able to look at a company and be like, Oh, I know what to do here. I've seen this, or I've done this before, or somebody else did it. And I was, you know, able to look in and, uh, and that's kind of, um, you know, kind of what I get to do now. And I, I get invited on stages because when I speak, and, you know, hopefully everyone listening here is going to agree. They're like, oh, this guy knows what he's on about because I'm not guessing. I'm not regurgitating something I've read from somewhere else. I've seen it or done it or helped someone do it. And it's just recalling memories. And it's funny because I get people going, oh, you're so quick with your answers. I'm like, I'm just remembering what we did. I'm not, I'm not inventing anything. And that's, uh, that's, you know, how you can be very specific and accurate. And that's just leading to speech after speech, getting featured in publications, um, especially, you know, we did some, some really good charity work and that got featured. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. I mean, but that's an incredible volume of experience in a short amount of time. When you think about it though, like being able to be involved in like 1900 different scenarios of transactions, acquisitions, sales, closures, whatever it is, roll-ups, um, all, all of it is just like you're, you drank from a fire hose, but got in 30 years of experience in three years. Yeah. And that it, it feels like that sometimes. And, you know, the, the gray in my beard is starting to show uh, because of it. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s. I, I often get accused of being young because I've got like a youthful energy, I think, to me, because I'm still excited about things in life. Um, so, you know, I'm not I'm not young, depending on how you look at it. Um, yes, but yes, yeah, I, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I've got a wealth of experience at things that most people don't get much experience in. And um, because of the kind of person I am, because I am a strategist and I'm a nerd, I'm really big on seeing patterns and observing patterns. And it's one of the reasons I, I get on well with military guys, because I know, especially, you know, uh, people that do special ops and special forces, they're all about patterns because that's what keeps them alive. And right. just, I've worked with them so closely. They're always, no, I don't know. They tell me this. Um, but it's the same thing. I can't not see patterns. So once you look at all these companies, you're like, oh, it's really obvious the same mistakes that come up time and time again. And the solutions are also ridiculously obvious. 
um, that, that you can help somebody and be like, hey, you should do this. This is, you know, this will move the needle. This will put, you know, how much money do you want in your pocket? Because this will do it. I think the same thing about coaching. And it, it, it's interesting that you're saying we identify patterns because I, I think that probably made me a very good business coach very early on because everybody comes to you and says your scenario is completely different, right? I, it's the same in acquisitions and mergers, I'm sure. Yep. Like, oh, I'm re- I want to sell my business, but my business is so unique. And <laughs> yeah, I'm the snow. Not. <laughs> <laughs> like, and so when, when I say that you were drinking from fire hose, you got all this experience, like it, 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 as I listen to you, I'm like, it's really not that hard. There's only a certain amount of pieces to the puzzle. Right. And once you identify how those pieces have to move based on the gaps that expose themselves in the system, then then it becomes very easy to fill them in. It's not like, oh, I've got to go learn this. I've got to relearn this new way of doing things. Um, That's just amazing, though, and fascinating because most people like even the the entrepreneurs that I know that are into mergers and acquisitions or buying companies and selling companies or startups to sell, like they'll only like five to seven in their career, maybe like, and, and so like the, the amount of just transactions that you had your finger on is what's fascinating to me. Like I, as I sit and process it, I'm like, Oh, that's fucking really cool. Like so- that's, to, to, to give you an idea, I closed on a business on Friday. Today, I got another one across my table and we just sent paperwork to close. So that's two within five days. Yeah. And that's common. So you guys, are, are you doing a fund to acquire businesses? Are, I mean, are you no. doing it? Okay. Got- smart sneaky things i'm doing um so okay so let's let's just imagine that all right let's just look at the numbers upselling accounts for 70 to 85 percent of the revenue of any company that effectively upsells to put this in perspective if you're doing 200 grand a month which is kind of the level i like right somebody's doing two and a half million a year give or take 200 grand a month if you don't have effective upsells, that's 140 grand a month you're missing out on. Mm-hmm. Or if we put that in perspective, we're talking about 1.8 million a year in untapped revenue. Yep. Now, at a 2.5 million gross a year business, the person who's running it is probably only pulling out Let's be generous and say 500 grand in seller's discretionary earnings, which is how we'd calculate the value of that company. If we put that at a 3x multiple, which is a very high multiple at less than $3 million, that's a 1.5 million purchase price. I could literally borrow 1.5 million from the person selling the business, increase the revenue by 1.8, pay them back with their own business over the year and pocket 300 grand difference, not accounting for the fact that I can also pay myself the half a million in seller's discretionary earnings. So I'm now being paid 800 grand to buy the business off of the person selling. Right. 
Right. And that's the kind of stuff I do. It's the same way in real estate. You, you evaluate the deal and you look for the levers they're not pulling. And then you're like, okay, I'll take it. Yep. And uh, <laughs> so when you, when you see those things and those opportunities, you're like, yeah. And, and that's, so you get, your eyes become trained for things like that. So that's, that makes a lot of sense to me because certain people look at properties and they'll be like, oh, you're, that, that price is ridiculous. And you're like, well, it, it's actually zoned for like three more lots. So you could build like another 12 yeah, years on that same property. So the opportunity is really, uh, you don't know yet. And so, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying completely. And then if you can do the, the seller financing angle, which is brilliant in a lot of situations. Um, I also find that a lot of people aren't like, they're not savvy to that methodology of lending. They, they just think it's crazy. They want to go to the bank and they want to get a SBA loan. And I'm just like, absolutely not. Like in, in most situations where these, these people are selling, first of all, I think the boomers, you would probably know this data, but like the, the boomers own a majority of those businesses that are yep. in, in that tier that you're talking about. And so they've got what, 10 years left in business, maybe. So well, yeah. And they, the thing is with these people, they almost prefer money over time because they want the guarantee of income still coming in. And, and I'll pay a premium if they'll do seller's financing. And that's the difference. So I'll be like, look, if you want cash, it's a mill. But remember, I'm going to get 1.8 in a year, in right. one year. Yep. So I'll offer them 2 million over two years, which is even better for me. But right. for them, double. So they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to pay me double if I'll fund it myself? I'm like, yeah. And then I have a whole angle. And for everyone listening, by the way, you're about to get $25,000 worth of advice because literally I charge 25 grand to say what I'm about to say. So you're welcome. Here's what I say. I'm like, look, let's just say I give you a million today. I'm going to pull that million out of my investments. Now, my worst investments returning me 15%, my worst. So let's just say I pull a million out of my investments, which I have, and I have now lost 15% or 150 grand and risked a million. So at the end of year one, I'm down 150K and a million is at risk on you telling me your business is good. That's pretty risky. On the flip side, I'm willing to take the risk and give you 2 million guaranteed, providing it doesn't come out of my pocket. Now my million sits in the bank as backup in case I need it. I make 150K each year, which is 300K, which helps me purchase the business at 2 million. You get double and guaranteed income every single month. And the best part is, and I always say something like, if I miss one payment, just one, I'll give you the option to take it back off me. So there's a chance that I pay for a year, you get a million, and then you get your business back at the end of the year. Now, the only counter to that is, well, what if you ruin it? I'm like, well, first of all, you told me it was good. How can I ruin it? If your business is that good, is it easy to ruin? It shouldn't be. I sh right. You said it was turnkey. It was easy. How can I ruin this? On the other hand, if by some you know, miracle, I do manage to ruin it, I'm not going to be able to make the payments, am I? 
why would I keep paying for something after I've ruined it? So you get it back within 30 days of me, you know, ruining it. And at that point you built it, you could build it back up again or just sell it on to somebody else and right. get double pay. Either way, this is great for you in every single world and minimizes the risk for me. I take on the risk for how much I have to pay you without taking on the risk of my cash. Time and time again, people go, yep, that makes sense. And the cool thing about businesses versus houses, because obviously I know people in both, and, and I do a lot of real estate investing as well. When you sell or buy from a homeowner, more often than not, you're dealing with a family. And even if that person's got five, eight, 10 doors, they're still a family person with five, eight, 10 doors. When you deal with a business owner, you're dealing with a business owner. Someone who negotiates, is a forward thinker, understands about revenue models, cash flow, they get it. So I'm not talking to somebody that doesn't understand and like, wait, 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 slow it down. What are you trying to do? They're like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Okay, sure. Yep. That's the factor. Yeah. In, in the real estate space, it obviously works better in commercial properties and then like apartments, yeah. shit like that, right? Because they're used to getting profit from these things monthly. So if you just flip it into where it's like an annuity for them, and they get to walk away and they still get that mailbox money. Yeah, I, I, I could see that being very advantageous for everyone involved, for mm -hmm. sure. So, man, that's awesome. I love the speed at which you move. That's good. Congrats. Congrats on the businesses. Appreciate it. Thank you. This week. Um, so what's the future hold, man? Where are you going to go? Where are you taking this in three to five years? Well, the, the big thing that I found is like my, my real superpower, like I was saying, is, is actually these customer insight reports where, um, and we've done this for a number of companies where they'll hire us to do it for them. We go in and help business owners communicate with their customers to find out what else the customers want to buy. So I'll give you an example. Is there a recession coming? Are we in it already? How bad is inflation going to get? The day you sat down and drew up whatever products you were going to create or services for your customers, you probably didn't consider any of these questions. Mm -hmm. And as of today, where we June 7th, the needs of your customers have probably changed. And you're probably hoping that based on what you've done before, as is any business owner, that the customers haven't changed their needs. And yet just because of the potential looming recession and uh, supply chain issues and inflation, their needs have changed. So your product, your offer, and what you do is already out of date. And one thing I say to all my clients is sales is a lagging indicator. If you say to me, well, my sales are fine, you're not looking at the wrong thing because right now the customers that are paying you, they'll pay you while shopping around because they don't want to lose whatever it is they're getting for you while they look elsewhere. And the minute they find the thing they're looking for that's addressing their fears, they're gone. They move on and now you can't get back. Hey, do you mind if I ask where you're leaving? Oh, you know, the economy, blah, 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 blah. They're not going to tell you that they're switching to your competitor because your competitor is now more targeted. And so we, we have the same system we use to release that extra, you know, 140 grand a month in a company. We now offer either a company can work with us and we'll guide them through doing it. And we do that over a period of X amount of months or years. Right. Or we have a done for you service where we go into the company and we go and pull the data and we give it to them and say, hey, these are the three things that you're not doing. So um, in our own company, I'll give you a good example. 
we do, uh, you know, business mastermind events, just kind of like everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. Our next event is in September. So, you know, July, August, September, three months away. And we named it today. So we named the events. Our next event is grow your business in a, in a, in a recession. So our previous one was grow your business in a crisis. So you will notice a theme, it's grow your business in, and then whatever is going on at the time. So we know our customers, even if they've bought from us before, are like, oh, I got got to do that one. And I need to come and do that one because our customer insight report is always telling us what our customers are worried about. But here's the thing. If somebody just copied what I just said, you might be wrong because your customers might care about the supply chain. Your customers might care about inflation. Your customers might care about the war. They might care about the fact that nine millimeter guns are being banned in Canada and that Biden's coming after the guns over here. You you don't know until you talk to them. I know for a fact, without guessing, that my clients care about the recession more than anything because we did a customer insight report. And like I said, you know, we charge an amount of money, but I have never had anybody fail to get at least, I mean, literally at least 10x the value once they implement this because you you can literally just repackage what you're already doing and bam have a brand new offer that speaks to people you can resell that to people that were old customers that have kind of left because they think you weren't relevant and now for all you know your 10 best customers from five years ago are now ready to buy again once you position it right, you don't need to buy ads. You don't need to get leads. We don't need to do any kind of deep testing. And we don't even have to develop it before we sell it. Because once we get the messaging right, we can literally do what we call a hand raiser. So we go through the customer insight report, break down what we call the hand raisers, which are concepts we think people will say, oh, can I buy that? Can I buy that? And they raise their hand. And then we send out a message that says, hey, we're thinking about doing, insert what we think is going to work here. If you'd be interested in that, just text us back and you just, you just look, we get all these text messages. Great. And then I just look at my client. I'm like, okay, cool. Your product is normally this much money. You just received 50 text messages from people saying they're really interested in that. I don't know what your conversion rate's like. Let's assume it's the standard conversion rate of one in three to a warm audience, which is kind of what people typically will do. So it's like, so based on that, you're looking at about say 16, 17 sales at your $20,000 price tag or what have you, did, are you satisfied? <laughs> yeah. And right. it was like, yep, thank you very much. We'll do it again. And that's what yep. we do. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of client recapture that can happen too, because just like you're talking about sales being a lagging indicator, it's also like they probably come to you. They've already lost people for the exact reason you guys are about to analyze. So like it, <laughs> They're, you're going to intervene with your solution, which is going to stop the bleeding and keep those people there that need the switch flipped or the language changed on, on what the offering is, right? But like whoever left in the last six months is probably somewhat likely. You can probably get one in three back as well. Well, yeah. And if you think about some of those people may have left in the pandemic, say, or, or just afterwards because of money who have now reset their financials, miss working with you, right. but don't want to come back and get the thing they feel they've already had. Right. And now the reposition makes them go, whoa, 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 this is new now. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm in. Let me sign up for that. And they come back. Yeah. Yeah. So. I can see that working. Well. 
So yeah, I, there, that's a no brainer for ROI um, for, for most businesses, for sure. Yeah. And the cool thing is because it is um, selling to past customers, whether they are ex customers or existing customers that are just, you know, rebuying, it's just almost pure profit beyond whatever the, your, your raw costs are. There's no marketing costs or advertising costs here beyond what they pay us to help them. And, uh, and you know, we, we do a, a very extensive job and we actually don't just give them a single thing. We give them like two or three things. So it's possible that you could pay us once and implement three different things, which is how we know we at least 10X because we will tell you, hey, this is number one, but number two and number three are also strong. We would recommend this one this month this one two months later and you know maybe try the other one afterwards or what have you or have them in a sequence of if they buy this do this and so on and so forth so we give a, a full strategic breakdown of how to do it and it just it just gives people revenue that they can then use to you know to hire an ad agency or whatever else, whatever you really want to spend money on it yeah. gives you that freedom to do it grow and scale for sure for yeah. sure because you don't have any acquisition costs. It's it's just the fulfillment side of things. Yeah. And, and that's I, based on the package that you put together. So you choose that cost too. Yeah. I literally, it, it's funny. I, I tell people, I'm like, we move the needle. That's what we do. And it's the thing that every company wants, but we don't do it the way they want. Because the way they want is like, I want a bunch of new customers or I want to dominate the market. I want this. Like, that's not what we do. We get you the money you've been ignoring that's sitting on the table that you've forgotten about. We go into your, your sofa, we pull out the pillows and grab the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars you've left in your sofa that you've forgotten about that you don't even think exists anymore and you were going to throw the sofa out. You know, we're, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a lot of meat on the bone that you're throwing out yeah. and let, let's get that for you and then do what you want with it. And that, that's what we do. And so when we acquire a company, when we're doing it for ourselves, we're just looking how much meat have they been leaving on the bone and we just right. go in and pick, and pick it dry. Well, you're maximizing profitability. So if anyone that's listening to this, if you're thinking about selling your business in the next two or three years, you should fucking call this guy because this is exactly <laughs> what you want to do two or three years before you start advertising your business because mm -hmm. your P&Ls will be so sexy and he's going to get every bit of profit out of there and you may not want to sell your business after he starts doing that. You're going to be like, shit, I was leaving. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this, this is the thing that we've found. We've been doing this in our own company. I mean, we started doing it before, before COVID, um, but we do this in all of our brands. And every time we do it, it's just a cash cow day. And yeah. it, it kind of, it weirdly gets you lazy because we know that if we just sat down, ran a report, sold whatever was listed in the report, we would make a ton of cash. Yeah. And so we, we'll go through phases where we're like, ah, oh, we're not really working, you know, kind of we're turning up and doing what we need to be doing, but we're not really pushing. And then the minute we want to buy something expensive or do something different, then we're like, all right, well, let's just, let's just do this in a couple of brands and make a whole bunch of cash. Yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> What's your favorite businesses to own or run? It's, I like people more than the business. So like I had a guy contact me the other day that has car washes. And if you just said to me, do you want a car wash business? I'm like, no, but this guy was really cool. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm open to it because he's cool. So for me, it's people. Like I want to work with somebody that I know is going to, going to implement and execute and do things. And, um, and that's the, the biggest one for me. Like 
had this one, this one guy that I acquired his company. He's actually a competitor. And he came to me for some advice. And I basically said to him, I was like, I can't give you advice. We're competitors. I've got to own you. I was like, now, if, if you're cool with being business partners, I'll unload everything I'm doing. But I've got to own a piece of your business to give you industry secrets. Yeah. And uh, fair play to the guy, humbled himself and was like, done. And so he gave me 40% of his company, which is kind of my standard deal. I don't really like less than 40%. I don't like more than 40% either because I don't want to control the other person. I like, I actually, I like being the, the advisor and you can tell me no. And I'll be like, no problem. Cause I've, I'm very easy to stay humble because of my upbringing. So I'm like, that's fine. You're in charge. Um, but yeah, so he, he was great. Cause I really liked him and he was definitely growing significantly. Like um, he, he wasn't as big as my company, but he was right on my tail you know like if i made a couple of wrong moves he would have taken over yeah. in, in this one business anyway because like i've got right. 40. um and um so yeah but he just he has a big youtube channel he's got like three times the followers i do already but just wasn't monetizing them so again there's that that meat on the bone was really clear mm -hmm. and when we first started working together he could see exactly how much money i was gonna make him and um he tried to pull out of the deal and when it came down to signing on the dotted line, he's like, no, I'm good. I've seen everything. I don't need you anymore. And I was like, hey, this was my fear, dude, was that you'd come get the industry secrets. I was like, that's cool. But like, we're done. And that was on a Friday. And I remember he kept bugging me on Saturday and Sunday because he wanted to hang out. And I think he just started looking at the amount of work there was. And he still had questions. There were still things he wasn't sure of. And Monday morning, I turned up and on my desk was a handwritten apology and a bunch of flowers for my fiance. And uh, he was like, I was a fool. I listened to people that got in my ear telling me I don't need you. And the minute I didn't have you, self-doubt came in, all the things that used to hold me back before. And he's like, I understand if you never wanna see me again, if you can accept this as um, an error of judgment, a momentary lapse in sanity, I am now more committed to this than ever. And I phoned up the guy and I was like, that takes balls to, to fucking do that. I was like, I'm in, I'm in, let's do it. And so we signed them. I got shivered. We, so we signed the paperwork and I love this guy now. Like I trust him because of that. I trust him. And so I just gave him everything. Um, and uh, we, we ran, we're running a mastermind in um, Colombia in about five, six weeks from now. We took a quarter of a million and it's the first event to quarter of a million on the first event on a mastermind that no one knew about. And uh, he four X his revenue since we started working together. And it's just a great guy to work with. And what you'll notice is in this entire discussion, I never said what industry it's in because right. it's irrelevant. Yeah. It's, it's putting a large six figures in my pocket on a consistent basis. And uh, I'm working with a guy that I now believe has a lot of integrity especially because they can recognize, I don't expect someone to be perfect. I expect you to own your mistake. And even if that mistake is, is a mistake of character yeah, and he's yeah. only made the one, it's not like this is, he's not like doing it over and over again. He, one mistake of character. I, I get it. He saw big money and people got in his ear and, you know, he's like, well, what do I need? But yeah, he's great to work with. So that's what I look for. Yeah. That always is tough because, because you make these decisions when you think, you need someone and then the numbers get so big. It, he probably just looked at like, Hey, what am I going to be sending? Adam? Yeah, that is exactly what he saw. Huge um, yeah. Right? And, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah and uh, you know, and and the numbers do get big, but that's the point because we we deliver, and uh, you know, it, it's not cheap to work with me, which yeah. is why some people partner. But then when they partner, they realize I'm only partnering because I know the money's, I know I'm good. So I know the money's bigger. They're, they're weighing it up like, oh, it's a lot of money to give this guy. Maybe I'll partner with him so I don't have to pay it. And I know that I'm going to win. And this is going to be a lot of money coming in. And then you see their face when they write, you know, six figure checks to me on a consistent basis. And they're like, man, but you didn't really do much. I'm like, well, you weren't writing these, you weren't capable of writing these checks before. Yep. You know, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. A lot of people are short-sighted on things like that. And it's just because they've been burned in the past by other people from time to time. But man, kudos for you for stepping back in there and accepting his his apology and shit. Because I'm just trying to sit here and think about how I would digest that. Because I <laughs> like I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have done it instantly, I'm sure. But man. I th- I think I think I'm a sucker <laughs> for a handwritten note. <laughs> in this age, right? It wasn't a text message. It wasn't an email. Yeah. Yeah. He, and who has paper and pen? He went out, he bought a pen and paper and that was what it was. And I saw that incident. That's what I meant about patterns. If he'd have just texted me, I'd have been like, I don't know, man, I need to think about it, right? If he'd have yeah. phoned me, I'd have been like, how dare you just phone me? The fact that it was a handwritten envelope with a letter inside and flowers for my fiance because he apologized to her because she did all the paperwork. He oh. even offered... Um, and we didn't accept it, but he offered to pay for all of the administration costs that we lost in the, yes, I'm doing it. No, I'm not doing it. Yes, I'm doing it. And in the end, we said it's like, because we have retainers, so it doesn't really matter. It's negligible. Right. But, you know, he was he was willing to pay like to the tune of like a, a good medium five figures to apologize yeah. and cover what he thought would have been the cost, but it just wasn't. So it was fine. Right. Um, but yeah, man. And, and I, th- but I think that's the thing. I think it was just so clearly a real gesture yeah. of, and, and it wasn't even, please, can we, it was, I understand if you don't want to, yeah. but I want you to know I'm committed to fixing this. And I was like, that's good. That's a real apology. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's humility for sure. Because yeah. like, I mean, once you've done something like that, you got to be like, fuck man. Like uh, I can, I can own it, I suppose. But like, I do understand if, if the answer is no, because <laughs> like there are, I mean, like I said, I don't know how I would react in that exact same situation. Cause that like, when you said it, I was like, Oh, motherfucker. Like when you <laughs> said he backed out. Cause I mean, I've, I've been in situations like that before and uh, on handshake deals and people are just like, yeah, there's, there's no more handshake. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, well, that's a great, a great little story. So thank you for sharing that because there's a lot of business lessons in there for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah and, and I think, uh, but that's, you know, and that's the key, right? And that's, I'm, I, I like that story because, you know, I don't have to say the industry because it isn't yeah. about the industry. It is about the person. And if you're with the right person and you work together well, you'll never have a bad day. It, it's always great. And, uh, and I've, I've been in bad deals. I've absolutely been in bad deals. And I've, I've been in businesses where things don't go the way you want them to. But um, like there's, there's one deal I'm working on right now. I say working on, I bought the business last year. I bought hundred percent of it and I bought it with two friends and uh, my two friends put cash in. I didn't put any cash in. I was doing the work in the business and it isn't doing what we want it to do. Like it's okay. It's making money, but it just isn't doing as much as we all hoped. And um, it's not, it's not the end of the day yet. We're six months in, there's plenty of time for it to turn around, 
but it just it had more problems than we thought and um we can't communicate with the customers which is the issue if we can communicate with the customers we'd be great but there's there is a, a complication with communicating with them. so everything's just slow mm-hmm. and uh the two people that put cash in i already reached out to them and said listen i'm a man of my word this isn't working um you got three options one i'll give you your money back and i'll buy you out and they're like, you never buy people out. I'm like, I don't, but I will, because I also always win. I was like, and I'm I'm open to the fact that this is maybe not gonna be a win. I don't want to say that yet, but it might not be a win. And I'll I, you know, I I brought you in with a lot of this is gonna work or I'll make it work. And making it work might be I'll just give you your money back. I was like, it is a lot of money, and I don't want to give you your money back, but I want you to know it's on the cards. If you say it, I'll do it. Alternatively, um, if you want to sit in it. And you want to, you know, write it out, which I'm open to. I will match your fee in coaching, training, products, events, everything I do until it's equated. And I was like, so it's it's really your choice, um, you know, or you can just write it out as is. I wouldn't recommend that one um, because I want to make sure this is right. And both of them said, no, we'll take the deal on the, the coaching and the training because yeah. they've got businesses as well. And so it's great because we're helping them. They're doing wonderful. I mean, the, one of them, I mean, he's had like $250,000 days since, <laughs> since doing it. So he's super happy. And he said to me, he's like, I don't care what happens now. Um, and I was like, yeah, I didn't think he would. Um, but it's an anomaly. And the cool thing is he still kept the equity. So if it does kick off and we can communicate with the people like we're supposed to. Um, everything will be will be even better for them. But I think that's the point. You know, you want to make sure that at the end of the day, you can still smile at the people you're working with and everyone's happy. Yep. The, the business is irrelevant. Yeah. For sure, man. For sure. That's a great lesson as well. Because, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, it's good to run so fast that you make it irrelevant, right? The deal that you guys did, like, let's just let's fatten you guys up in a different way and make that other deal. So it doesn't really matter. So it's insignificant. Yeah. Can I, can I make you so much money Yeah. helping you do what you do that this is not a problem. Right. And, um, right. and that's really the only way to, the only way to go about it. Um, and now they don't care, but they've kept the equity anyway. And, and I want it to work, you know, just because I don't like losing. So I, I and also like, it's a puzzle for me. This is like, there are, T- tactical and strategic problems are fine. This is a technical problem, which is a bit of a headache because that's not my skill set. I don't go up to people and be like, oh yeah, technically I'm amazing. Technically I'm not. Um, strategically I'm great. And when you cannot communicate with the customers, that's a that's a problem. Um, yeah. But there's there's a hundred thousand customers there. We just got to work out how to, how to, yeah, how to get them to actually see anything we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man you'll have to come back on and let us know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to, dude. I'd, I'd obviously love to fill you in. <laughs> um, you're a big family guy too, right? Yeah, I uh, I got five kids and yep. uh, I just recently, uh, my, my brother passed away about eight years ago and uh, he's an older brother and I adopted my nephews as well. So um, I've got got them staying with me. Actually, one of them just went home because, uh, you know, to see family. Um, yeah. So. I've got, I've got just one of them with me right now, but yeah, so six children in the okay. house. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah. You're that's, that was one of the original reasons that we clicked so quick because you had a ton of kids as well. And yeah. uh, then your, your epic Nerf Wars. Uh, <laughs> my yeah. wife was showing videos of your Nerf Wars somewhere over the weekend. Yeah. It's, 
it's just making sure that you have time for your kids. And I, I think a lot of parents make the mistake of trying to um, force their kids to do the things the parents want to do. And the kid's like, oh, I don't want to do this dinner, you know, or I don't want to watch that movie. When you watch what your kids are into and then you do that thing without them, suddenly they come running to you. You know, like um, my four-year-old, he's about to be five actually. Um, he's obsessed with dinosaurs. And rather than, you know, trying to take him to a natural history museum or, or what have you, I just found this really cool new TV show that just came out about dinosaurs. And I just put it on the TV, on my TV. And um, I was like, hey, man, would you mind just uh, turning your, your game down a little bit? I'm just trying to watch this show about dinosaurs I just found. And he goes, what? I was like, oh, it's a show about dinosaurs. I just, I just want to watch it. And he's like, can I watch it with you, Dad? Yeah. And I was yeah. like, do you, do you want to? Do you want to come and watch this brand new awesome show about dinosaurs? That's really, really cool. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, and he's turning off the video game console and jumps out. And that's like my, that's my parenting hack. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's that's excellent advice. But yeah, that that does work. Yeah, all the time, all the time. You guys, uh, it, we we haul our kids around and do everything in the like outdoors and we're big RV people and experiential. Like we pulled our kids out of school a couple of years ago and homeschool them now. So great. We're we're big on like the integration of our entire ecosystem, like our, our live, our businesses, all of it. Um, just because there, there's not really, the lines are very blurry. We, we do not have nine to fives where like there's time to work and then other time to family. It's all kind of like intertwined every single day. And so for us, we have to run a pretty rigid schedule um, from timelines so that Kirsten it can block time and I can block time. And like, we know when the, the other person is busy and when we have availability, like shared calendars are a big deal for us because um, we time block everything from 5 a.m. when I'm up to like the, the end of the night. Um, you literally, it's exactly what we do. Shared yeah. calendars, time block, our kids are homeschooled, exactly the same. And, uh, you know, it's that thing, right? Success leaves clues. It doesn't yeah. matter. Two separate people. It's not like we sat down and attended the same seminar that told us what to do. It's just <laughs> that is what works best. So smart people deviate towards doing the thing that works best. Well, yeah, yeah. You learn trial by fire too. Like you're like, oh, this is not working. And <laughs> like certain things go on and, and throughout the day and you're just like, I, I can't do any work. I can't get anything done. I can't work on myself. I can't like have these business calls with people screaming. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, have, you, like, um, have you ever heard the phrase, there's no such thing as Canadian geometry? No. It's one of my favorite phrases. It's basically geometry is geometry it's not based on any particular culture and if somebody invented canadian geometry all the canadian parts would just be fluff and not necessary and it's the same thing we're both successful people in you know families where we truly care about our families and we want to make sure we put time for them and for our children so based on that you know there's no canadian way to raise family it's just yeah. we're doing what is optimum to have a successful family. Um, I, obviously I study a lot of martial arts. I love martial arts. <clears throat> and um, they say that at the highest level, 
whether it's kickboxing, boxing, kung fu, karate, a punch looks exactly the same because the functional element that makes a punch successful is the same. And that's why, you know, many people don't realize that in MMA, people think it's just, you know, Muay Thai, Judo, and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. But actually, there's a lot of people that are doing karate, Wing Chun, Kung Fu. You just can't tell because at the highest level, it just looks the same. And, um, and it's the same thing. This is, we've just found things that work. I think that's actually probably applicable to almost everything. The older I get, the smarter I get, the more successful I get, the, the more I realize it's fucking just the simpler you need to make things. Yeah. Like it's all just peeling away everything that's like bright and shiny technology plug on like all these bolt ons that everyone tries to tries to do. And it's, it's really just about a couple things consistently and then just doing them over time. And then as far as success goes, I mean, you can pour gasoline on that and, and break your days up to where you're doing things multiple times in a day or, or like the frequency so you can increase frequency as well right like work out twice a day or make sales calls twice a day at two different blocks or whatever right and so but it but it really is just like just the simplest shit that creates success yeah does that there's a really i mean so many people know bruce lee as a martial artist not as many people know that bruce lee was a really good philosopher he was actually arguably as good at philosophy as he was at martial arts. And uh, one of my favorite phrases that, you know, some people know is um, before you study the art, a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. Once you begin to study and understand it, you realize a punch is no longer a punch and a kick is no longer a kick. But once you master the art, you realize a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. There's a point where for a while it's wondrous and unique and special. And at the highest level, you're like, oh no, just do the thing. Yeah. Just, just do the thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that that didn't come and smack me in the face until I turned like 40. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, this is all way simpler than I was making it. Yeah, it, it really, and I love what you said. It isn't about what you add; it's about what you peel back. That yep. is so true. It's it's not add more; it's take away. Um, I, I heard this really cool quote today. It was from a meme, but I'll, I'll quote it anyway. And uh, I don't even remember who wrote it, but it said, um, "Remember that no's are more powerful than yeses, because yeses feel good. The other person's happy. You make them smile." But yeses come with costs, time, money, energy, effort, opportunity cost. No's are hard. No's hurt. No's upset people. And no's are uncomfortable. But no's save you time, energy, stress, money, and create opportunities. So embrace the no's. I say that to my mastermind group that I run all the time, which is that like, in your first few years of business, you're, you get overwhelmed with saying yes to everything because you're chasing. Yeah. You're chasing because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And you're like, I'll chase like sales. I'll chase leads. I'll, I'll, I'll say yes to anything. I'll discount my prices. I'll do X, Y, and Z. Like, just give me the money because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I need some sales. <laughs> and once you get that 
your your business stabilized a bit <clears throat> and kind of reach that next level where you can take a breath and you've got some staff and you've got some scaling like it you have the ability to then then i think they have the ability to kind of clear some space and start saying no to, and you better say no to everything because now you've got some money and now you've got some time. And like, that's the, the, it's a weird place to be where you can really like fuck up your whole life. Cause you, yeah. <laughs> at that next stage, like you go from broke to having something. And then at, when you get some time, you get some space, you get some freedom. And, and if you don't start growing personally at that point and understanding and, and knowing who you are, because I yeah. think a lot of times, I, I think that's why we say yes to a lot of things. Like I'm very comfortable at this stage of life saying no to almost everything because I'm crystal clear on like my core values and like what I want out of life and what I want out of the next 10 years. And yeah, it, I love it. My, my mentor always says, there's no such thing as no and yes. There's no and hell yes. Mm -hmm. If it's a yes, it's a no. Yes. Yeah, that's a great way. That, that is an excellent way to look at it. And yeah. it, it and we're privileged to be right there where we can say it's got to be a hell yes, because I'm not chasing those every single sale anymore. But like, I think if I could have got like that advice early on and been more um, disciplined about it, if you will, because it's hard to be disciplined when you're hungry and <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and so I think that you would grow slower having sticky, stuck to those values probably, but you would grow cleaner and then you can scale faster, right? Cause you don't, you don't build the ship on like all kinds of shaky ground. Right. Yeah. I, I give the analogy of cooking. Like you can absolutely cook your food on the highest heat right from the beginning, but no one's going to want to eat it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, uh... that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. You want to just, get a nice heat going, make sure the pan's hot, let it really heat up, you know, then add some ingredients, let the spices simmer, let it all get going, then start adding the ingredients and then cook it over time. That slow cook is a better cook. Yes. And, uh, and that's the same with business and everything. I mean, yeah, everything. You know, yeah. Relationships, everything. everything. It's just hard to be patient, mm -hmm. hard to be patient, especially in the world we live in when yeah. everybody wants everything. But it, that's another thing when you get a little older and you you get in the game for a while and your entrepreneurial career gets longer, you realize that like no matter what, you're going to be pretty OK 20 years into this thing as long as you just stay in it. Yeah. 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 There's no there's no failure. There's just quitting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's and then, I mean, as long as you don't make catastrophic mistakes time and time again, like. Well, I yeah, and I, I think that's the thing, right? Like in that case, though, are you really doing it? You yeah. Know, like if you're really doing it, you can't make those catastrophic mistakes because the doing it is learning from the mistakes. Yes. So it, you, you should never repeat a mistake. It's just, okay, I did this mistake. That didn't work. Now I'm going to do this. And, and it's staying with it. And don't overexpose yourself. Don't get greedy. Yep. Take it as slow as needed. Like, you know, and I always tell people like, you go through spurts where you push. Like I'm in a, I'm in a growth spurt right now. And so we are pushing and, you know, we're close to the wire and there are moments we look at it and we're like, Oh, are we are we too close to the flame, but 
we're like, no, you know what? We've got the runway. Let's just, just go for it. We've got a bit more room. Let's push. And then if it gets too tough, we just tighten up the belt and pull back a bit, slow down, take it slow. Yep. Yep. That was me last year. And I pushed too hard and like, but every lesson I learned, like it has prepared me for where I think I'm going now. Yeah. Like we've recovered, we've stabilized and now I'm like ready to grow again, but I'm going slower because I'm looking for opportunities. Like what is, what, what is the direction we're going to move next? And I think that everything we went through in the last like 12, 18 months was, was to prepare me for five, 10 Xing what we're doing. And so like it, it, it's all perspective. And then also like, don't waste those lessons like you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the education. That's yeah. the real education. And it's worth more than any paper education anywhere in the world. For sure. For sure, man. Hey, uh, where can people find you, man? If they're interested in your services, like this has been a real sexy conversation. <laughs> I you. say so myself. Yeah, who no, would, I, who, I who wouldn't want to 10X their business. Right. Yeah. So um, our website is thesmartsblueprints.com. And uh, something that I'm going to offer absolutely everybody listening here is we'll absolutely do a free site audit um, where if you fill in the form, um, just tell us that, you know, you found out about us through Jeff Smith. Um, we'll make a point of getting one of our team and they will go through your website and they'll just see if there are some really obvious opportunities where you're just leaving money on the table. And this isn't a technical website overhaul. This is a offering overhaul. Like, is what you're selling hitting right? Just based on what we know about trends in the market and uh, what's going on with regards to you know the media and politics. And we can often see that, okay, you're not talking about the stuff that people really care about right now. There's money to be had and, and a revamp of the way you're messaging things could do really great. And like I said, it's not about overhauling the website. We actually don't touch the website. We're just going to yep. help you communicate with the customers and make the sales without making any big technical changes. Yeah. Yeah. The smart blueprints.com. The smart blueprint.com. Blueprint. No S. There you go. The smart blueprint.com guys. Use that. Get your website or your offer overhauled. Um, you can find Adam Lyons. He's blue check everywhere. He's this guy's famous. He's five, five women at one time. Come on. Like you heard it. Once upon a time. Now it's five. <laughs> but you know, it's the same thing. They still want your attention. <laughs> but we're all about business here. Building big lives. So um, get a hold of this guy. Follow this guy. He's doing big things. Like, I mean, 1900 mergers and acquisitions he participated in, in the last three years. So that, that alone should show you how impressive this man is. And uh, thank you for your time, Adam. I really thank you, appreciate dude. it. Always a pleasure, man. If you need anything, Jeff, just call me up. Anytime. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. I'll touch base soon. We're coming over to your house soon. Heck yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> See you soon. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. We'll, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you on the next episode. Next episode of the Tactical Empire.